listen to me. Listen, you were talking about Harvard on the Bayou. How can you not be excited about that game? <laughs> it's time for the Brew and Shavers Sports Podcast. Hey there, sports fans, and welcome back for the last episode of the show in, until Christmas. That's right. Uh, the, our next episode will come out after Christmas, and hopefully you are ready and excited because don't forget what Elvis told us, and he's right. So, y'all, <laughs> he's coming, man. Santa Claus is dancing across the screen as we speak. I mean, the other. <laughs> did you see the Christmas at Graceland special this year? I did not. I, I think I have it DVR'd, but I haven't watched it yet. It was really cool how they took you know contemporary singers doing Elvis Christmas songs mm -hmm. and and then they'd bring in a video of Elvis singing and, and incorporate that into the song. It was really That's well done. That's awesome. That's very cool. I will have to watch that. I, I'm pretty sure I have a DVR. I'll have to watch that. Speaking of Elvis, he he didn't make an appearance in Shreveport. <laughs> Not since the days of the Louisiana Hayride, but <laughs> exactly. <laughs> guess who did come to this area last Saturday? And that was the Texas Tech and Cal football teams to play yes, in the Independence Bowl, a game that the Texas Tech Red Raiders handled pretty easily after a rough start, 34-14 in favor of Texas Tech. And, Darren, you had the opportunity to meet some of the Texas Tech players who evidently are fans of the show. We love There you hey, go. I mean, what else What else do we need to do to make the case that Texas Tech should be in the SEC now? That's exactly right. There's your next. We're breaking the news of your next conference expansion right there. Congratulations, Texas Tech, on your Independence Bowl win. And, and thank you guys for being yeah. willing to do that video. Uh, it means a lot to us, and, and we wish you continued success uh, in next year, as, as uh, your season is now over, you end with a victory, and that's a great way to end the season. Absolutely. We have other breaking news that we want to share tonight or today, and that is that Jaden Daniels, the Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback of the LSU Tigers, has announced he will forego playing in the Tigers' ReliQuest Bowl game. He's preparing for the NFL draft, where I believe he's uh, projected as the third or fourth quarterback uh, to be taken off the board. A great career for Jane Daniels in the two years he played at LSU. Yep. One of the greatest to ever play that position at LSU. And yep. we're, we're disappointed on one hand that he's not playing because when you have a great player like that, you always want another opportunity to see him play. But we also understand why he made the decision that he did. So it's kind of bittersweet, Darren. We, we wish he would, but we understand. Yeah, you, you hate it. Uh, but strictly as a fan, uh, you, you don't, you know, there's no uh, dislike or, or, or frustration with him because you have to respect at, at this point in, in where he is, it's a career decision and you have to respect him making the decision that's best for him as an individual, his career, his family. And, and you know, when fandom gets involved, people seem to get a little bit crazy. But I think you have to kind of keep that perspective. You hate to see it as a fan. You want to see him play one more game. But you got to understand and respect 
it's a career move. And, and, you know, we, we've talked before, uh, even last year after bowl season was, was over, um, the, the Ole Miss quarterback getting hurt, you know, anytime you see now it, people talk about, um, whether or not they're going to play in a bowl, withdraw from a bowl game, you know, that's the first image and, and all of the feeling that you had of, oh, what did we just watch happen? So you, you don't ever want to see that. I think that changed a lot of people's minds and gave people a lot more understanding when you see that happen. So I hate it, wanted to see him play one more game, but completely and totally understand and respect his decision. That means the torch is passed to backup Garrett Nussmeyer, who's got a great arm. He's a gunslinger. Yep. LSU begins to make the transition at quarterback. Nussmeyer will get the start. The good news for LSU is, as Brian Kelly announced today, there will, as as of right now, no other opt-outs in this game. Everybody else is playing. So that's good for us fans uh, to see see that. Uh, Other news we have, and that is coaching vacancies uh, filled. We talked last week about the open job at Troy, and Darren, Troy has found their man, and who who did they hire? Well, they headed way north <laughs> to, to the campus of Notre Dame and got the offensive coordinator, uh, Gerard Parker, uh, and tapped him to be their new head coach. Uh, so he will he has taken over there and has pretty quickly already started filling some staff positions, but he, he's got that opportunity to fill in and take that D1 head coaching spot. And obviously excited for he and his family and and the opportunity he has, but uh, that's that's one of the two vacant spots that we had that is now been filled. Uh, and you will be going and, and do the other one as well. And the other one we go further out west for Darren, mm-hmm. and that is a uh, Nevada, 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 Nevada. How do you say it? I, I I used to say Nevada, and I think we talked about last week. I heard somebody talk about getting fussed at about saying Nevada, so don't want to, you know, don't want our Nevada. No, never mind. I say it however I think. I don't know. <laughs> the Nevada Nevada uh, head coaching vacancy has now been filled by the Texas co-defensive coordinator Jeff Schott. He is now the head coach at Nevada. He is now the leader of the Wolfpack. Uh, and also has immediately started filling positions. Um, I think he's already got both his coordinators in place and, and maybe even his special teams coordinators. So he he hit the ground running uh, in, in a big way. Uh, and so there's that part of the coaching carousel has, as far as the head coaching part of it, has really kind of taken its last turn. And now we're just in um, coordinator carousel world uh, a lot of o coordinator d coordinator positions some of those o-line moves strength and conditioning stuff like that 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 part of the merry-go-round is still turning but the head coaching part is, is settled for now we also have news out of recruiting it's rare that georgia loses a top recruit especially mm-hmm. to a school that's somewhat in a rebuilding mode like yeah. Nebraska, but they lost five-star quarterback Dylan Rayola. I guess I'm saying that right, uh, who has now committed to Nebraska, will not be going to Georgia. He's got some family ties to Nebraska. His dad played offensive line there, and his uncle is an offensive line coach there. This is, the, the I believe, Darren, the highest-ranked recruit that Nebraska's had since 2006 or so, since ESPN started keeping these rankings. Mm-hmm. Is is this a sign that Matt Rule is turning the corner at Nebraska? 
Yeah. You would have to believe that even with the family connections, there's still something there. Obviously, he he sees something, or or he wouldn't make that jump. But uh, uh, to, to give you credit, as you pointed out before we started recording, I think you have to give the family connection some credit for this to have that legacy connection, to have you know family that's 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 on staff. But at the same time, I think if the family did not see something going on there that they felt like could make a difference uh, or, or, you know, could, could, could develop into something. I think in today's world of NIL and, and Hey, you, you go where you can play, you go where you can grow, you grow, where you could, you know, the legacy stuff is not as big of a deal as, as it used to be. At least it doesn't seem to be. I think he probably would have stayed at Georgia. So I think it's a combination of those two that's pulled him there. I mean, you know, Matt Rowell has shown to be a winner on the college level, wherever wherever he has been. So, you know, until he proves you wrong, you don't have a reason to think it'll be different at Nevada. Uh, Nevada. It starts with an N. Give me a break. At Nebraska. <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> hmm. You've been there getting into e. that. There was an E. My tongue just took off. <laughs> Stay out of the eggnog, Darren. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Why would I? <laughs> it is incredibly big news for Nebraska fans who have been through so much uh, a dry <laughs> season for years. So uh, we'll be watching that to see how that all plays out. For sure. We also have some sad news that we want to share tonight, and that is the passing of Eric Montrose at the age of 52. Uh, Montrose was a senior or a center for uh, the North Carolina Tar Heels, seven foot center. He was part of the 1993 national championship team to put that in a historical framework. That was the team that beat Michigan's fab five for the national title. He played from 1990 to 94 for the legendary coach, Dean Smith. Uh, they made a Final Four in 91, Sweet 16 in 92. Montrose was a two-time second-team All-American, uh, taken in the in the NBA draft by the Boston Celtics, ended up playing nine seasons in the NBA for uh, several different teams. So just a, a very untimely passing. He was a part of the Tar Heels Sports Network. I believe he was diagnosed nine months ago. So, so tragic, tragic news. Uh, testimonies are, are pouring in. Uh, and people talk about what a, what a great person he was, uh, even mm -hmm. more so than a basketball player. So, so we extend our heartfelt thoughts and our prayers for the family of Eric Montrose, who um, gone way too soon, but truly a, a Tar Heel legend. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and break for this week in sports history. Christmas 1914, roughly 100,000 British and German troops were involved in the informal cessation of hostility along the Western Front of World War I. The Germans placed candles on their trenches and on Christmas trees, then continued the celebration by singing Christmas carols. The British responded by singing carols of their own. 
The two sides continued by shouting Christmas greetings to each other. Soon thereafter, there were excursions across no man's land, where small gifts were exchanged such as food and souvenirs. The artillery in the region fell silent. Joint services were held. In many sectors, the truce lasted through Christmas night. Many accounts of the truce involved one or more soccer matches played in no man's land. Merry Christmas. Oh, thank you. is Christmas fast approaching. The bowl season has already begun. New Year's Eve is on the horizon. Signing day is here, at least early signing day, which Darren begins Wednesday, December 20th. So fill us in. What is the latest news you're hearing concerning signing day? Who's who's going where? So as is custom, they call it early signing day, but 90% plus of all recruits will sign within, you know, by lunch <laughs> on Wednesday. That's typically the way it goes. There'll be an additional, I think it's in January, like January 15th or something like that. Um, somewhere in that neighborhood that, that anyone that hasn't signed can, but this is when 90% of, of, of everything that's going. And we've already talked about some big moves that have started, you know, the, the, quarterback leaving Georgia, going to Nebraska. So there has been some movement, but as of time of recording, uh, according to 24-7 Sports, things have pretty much stayed where they've been over the last month of the season. And as far as a national ranking, uh, we have four, uh, 12 of the 16 SEC teams. Of course, that now includes Texas and Oklahoma, um, We've been doing it all along, but now that the football season is over, the other sites and everyone is doing the same. Georgia is one, Alabama is three, and this is nationally ranked. Texas is five, Oklahoma seven, Florida 10, Auburn 11, LSU 12, Tennessee 14, South Carolina 18, Ole Miss 20, Texas A&M 21, and Kentucky is actually that final team that's in the national top 25 at number 25, Arkansas barely missing the cut at 26, Missouri barely missing the cut at 27, Mississippi State at 35, and in the position they're accustomed to in most everything football, Vanderbilt at the bottom of the SEC, mm. but still in the top 50 in the country, whatever that's worth, at number 39, <laughs> they're number 39. Uh, and from everything I'm seeing, there are a few people that, the, these 24-7 rankings are based on the, the crystal ball projections. They haven't actually committed. There's going to, there's always signing day, early signing day. There's always, you know, the, the ceremonies in the high school gym or, or high school auditorium, the stuff that's shown on ESPN, streamed now on YouTube. And, and some of those things could shift, uh, but for the most part, there's not expected to be these huge, shocking you know, turn of events. Everybody seems to kind of be locked into place. There, there's three or four that, that might jump ship, but not really affecting kind of what we would see kind of the big players and would be anything that would knock somebody out of like a top three or top five position or anything like that is, is, is what we're seeing and hearing right now anyway. 
A lot of movement, as you said, uh, yep. it's called early signing day, but you accurately pointed out, uh, we'll get most of our signees, uh, will put their name on that piece of paper, uh, before lunchtime that, that morning. Absolutely. Not only is signing day coming up tomorrow, but the transfer portal is open and it closes January 4th, I believe. Yes. What are you hearing as far as uh, transfers, notable transfers? We've kept up with some of this, Darren, but what's the latest? Well, you know, uh, LSU, uh, some of the latest things that's happened is now entered the, the thief game, apparently, uh, in their transfer <laughs> portal activities. And it's decided to thieve quarterbacks from Vanderbilt. Uh, A.J. Swan committed uh, early Monday evening, just before recording time. Uh, and uh, it is the world. It is the world today. His season this year was absolutely atrocious for Vanderbilt, but I still genuinely believe LSU just made a good pickup. Uh, he doesn't have to run for his life. He actually has an offensive line. There's no telling what kind of talent he has. So it'll probably work out really, really well for LSU. Uh, you know, as far as the rest of the portal, I think. Um, I think they're just going to actually create a crown to put on Lane Kiffin's head uh, and just actually give him the official. There might even be like a coronation ceremony on January 4th. Just just get it over with and done and call him because uh, he, he's pulled in players from just about everywhere possible uh, and, and just keeps adding players on top of players. Uh, he, he Right now, we read through the recruiting rankings just a few minutes ago. In recruiting high, high school players, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin are the number 20 team in the entire country. And in transfer portal, so pulling college players, Ole Miss is the number two team in the entire country in portal rankings. So they are doing it on every single level. And obviously, that's the highest-ranked SEC team in the, the transfer portal. They've lost 13 – or rather, they've lost 11 and picked up 13. Um, South Carolina has lost 16 but has picked up nine, uh, which is a, a, a significant pace comparative to where they were last week. They had mostly just were in the loss uh, category. They don't picked up very few last week. Kentucky is in the top 10 of the rankings of the portal as well. They've lost 13, but they picked up four and obviously four pretty stinking nice commits when you, when you pick up, you know, Georgia's <laughs> Georgia's backup quarterback that all of Kentucky nation, big blue nations go, please be good. Please be good. But and you don't have any reason to think he's not, but, uh, and then Missouri, um, is, is starting to pick up some some big momentum in the transfer portal. They they had that initial loss where they lost 10. Uh, they're in the top 20 at number 16, Auburn at number 19 in the transfer portal rankings. And then really, honestly, the rest of the conference, uh, there's a whole lot more of people that have lost or just kind of broke even, so they've dropped. You know, like right now in the transfer portal rankings, according to ON3 and 24-7, Georgia is ranked number 70. But that's also because they have nothing but people that have left. They, you know, they haven't picked up anybody. They're not doing any recruiting at this point as far as pulling. Obviously, they're doing recruiting, but there's no announcements because they're focused on what they're doing. It's just part of the difficulty of the schedule. Uh, but they they still have quite a few that's out. That are, they, Florida and Vanderbilt, um, 
still are, are, are the leaders in Arkansas actually is now at 19 total out. They are still the biggest losers in the transfer portal as far as amount of people that they've lost. Um, but they have picked up some nice commits. Tennessee has had a couple of losses. You know, one of the big commits that Ole Miss picked up, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. My apologies, but they it's a nice defensive commit uh, from – or a defensive player from from Tennessee uh, that transferred out of Tennessee and is going to Ole Miss. Uh, so Tennessee hasn't had any huge losses, but they, they are, haven't had a huge number of losses, but the ones they've lost have, have been some significant players. Uh, so – it's been a pretty active transfer portal, uh, but as you can see with the amount of momentum that's starting to build up, uh, as you expect, the SEC teams are starting to really pull them in. It's not just about who's leaving anymore. We've kind of turned that corner, and it's now who are they pulling in? Who are they getting? And it just, boom, boom, boom. Even if it's from other SEC schools, boom boom, boom, you're starting to see those moves really take place. Uh, and 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 it's it's not about the numbers out as much as the numbers in. And Lane Kiffin is just grinning wearing his crown <laughs> right now. <laughs> it appears that Santa has delivered some early presents to Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. I would say so, definitely. A lot of moving parts there, and we'll, we'll continue to see um, – players make decisions to enter yes. the portal and go to different schools. And so thank you for keeping up to date on all of that, Darren. Now, other big news that recently came out that we have been waiting patiently with bated breath to talk about on an Absolutely. episode is the release of the SEC schedule. Bits and pieces were dropped early and then the whole thing was unveiled and it was a two-hour special on, was it yeah. December 13th? My goodness. Yes. Yep. That's like the Heisman Trophy presentation. They're dragging everything out here. <laughs> they definitely did. <laughs> it, that honestly may have even been worse because then they do it by team and then by week. And then, by, I mean, it was like, it was like dissected from every angle, man. They went at it. <laughs> of course, in all fairness, Darren, some Folks might say we tend to drag things out longer than they should. No, we've, we've never. <laughs> Let's jump right into the schedule with the, the first big question. Who has the most difficult, the hardest schedule? And Darren, you and I are in agreement on this. I don't know how anybody could argue against yeah. Florida having the toughest schedule. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. When you look at uh, it, when you look at their both home and away, just who they have to play within the conference, and even some of their or at least one of their non-conference games uh, ha has the potential to be, to, or two of their non-conference games has the potential to be very, very tough. This does not. If you are a Florida fan, knowing the way last year went, there is nothing about this schedule that excites you outside of, well, actually three of their non-conference games. Outside of Samford, there's nothing about this schedule <laughs> that excites you if you're a Florida fan. I mean, knowing the way last year went, I mean, they start on, on their very first game is Miami. At least it's a home game, but still it's Miami. Mm -hmm. You know, Miami has a takes a step up as a program, 
what confidence do you have as Florida that, that you're going to be able to take, that you're taking that same step and going to meet them where they are and be able to, to win that game? Yeah, they don't start off with a, an easy game at all. Now, nope. next the week after that, they have Sanford. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the schedule, though, Darren. When you look at how they end it, you have uh, Georgia, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, Florida State. There's no bye week in between those. No. If Billy Napier gets Florida to 10 wins next season, hand him Coach of the Year trophy there's no discussion sign him to a lifetime contract <laughs> if he gets to 10 wins <laughs> i mean we look at a schedule like that and then we look at coach napier and the, the first words that come to our mind darren is bless his heart yeah that's exactly right. bless his heart he just <laughs> you know you and i were talking earlier i don't uh, and, and very much like Billy Napier, you know, being here in Louisiana, we followed his his time at 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 UL Lafayette. So, want to see him succeed at Florida, but I just when you are fighting for your job, this schedule is a worst case scenario. I mean, because like we were talking about, even with the non conference games, yes, you've got Sanford, Miami is kind of iffy, but UCF. With Gus Malzone, if you if you come into that game with a loss to Miami, a loss to AM, and and you're two and two because you've been able to win against let's say Mississippi State and Sanford, who knows how that game's going to go? You know, UCF can tear off some offensive numbers, and if your defense is struggling, that could get ugly for you. Yeah, uh, and 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 then you you've got the the added bonus of you're walking into that UCF game looking at next week we're going to Knoxville which is very, very different than knowing next week I've got to play Tennessee and Gainesville. That's a very, very different thing if you're Florida because mm. it, it it's not the same when they go to Knoxville. Uh, so I just, man, you hate it for Florida, for the Gator Nation. You hate it for Billy Napier. That's just ugly. <laughs> you wonder, Darren, who, who did Florida make mad? Who did yeah. they make angry? Uh, <laughs> this it's, is it's this is brutal. It's irreconcilable angry. Whoever they did it to, it's not. It's never going to get better. <laughs> That's a deep anger. <laughs> on on the other end of the spectrum, though, who has the easiest schedule? And believe it or not, Darren, you and I agree on this one as yep. well. Uh, yeah, we were talking about it, and 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 you gotta, you know, just as bad as you feel for Billy Napier, you you gotta good feel good for for our 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 friend, Coach Drink, Wits. <laughs> because everything we just talked about with uh, with Billy Napier and Florida's schedule is the exact opposite. Uh, they start out with a a much friendlier non conference schedule. Murray State, Buffalo, Boston College, uh, all of those games you would would think were our games with where the program stands now, where the, while they're doing in the portal, how they're doing in recruiting. You, you would think those are three games that they're going to roll right off. And then, I mean, I know they're going to be a little afraid, but I think they can handle Vanderbilt there in week four at home. 
Uh, and then you've got a bye week. Uh, that's a little early, but not the end of the world. So you're going into your first bye at four at uh, at four and zero. Oh. And then if you look at their schedule for the remainder of the season, you were talking about how Florida's ends. In comparison, Missouri's ends with Oklahoma, which is obviously going to be a tough game. We don't want to dismiss that at all. But out south at South Carolina, who even though Columbia is a tough place to play. At this point, you, you don't really know what that game's going to look like. At Mississippi State, again, don't really know what that game's going to look like at this point. And then Arkansas at home, another huge question mark. That is dramatically different than Georgia, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, Florida State. <laughs> that is dramatically different. And then the other thing you can't help but notice with Missouri's schedule, no Georgia, no Ole Miss, no LSU, no Texas. I mean, those are some big, big names to not have to worry about having on your schedule. Yeah, outside of going to Alabama, um, they, that, they got OU coming there. Yep. Um, we don't know what A&M is going to look like. Um, exactly. Yeah, I, I think. I they think don't even point, have Tennessee next year. Yeah, your points are valid, which may explain the uh, – the words and the quick handshake that Drinkwitch had with Josh Heupel. Maybe he already knew. (laughs) We're not going to play them next year. So I'm not going to have to deal with this. Exactly. Whatever, man, whatever. (laughs) Let's talk about some games that we're excited for in this upcoming season. And one of the things I believe they did so well in putting the schedule together, Darren, is there is not a single weekend where you look at and be like, oh, no one's playing anybody. There are significant games every single weekend. This is this is a a, a masterpiece in scheduling yeah, for football that. fans. Of course, the attention is on OU in Texas because mm-hmm. this is brand new and, and people, are, people want to be a part of this. They've never yeah. seen this. So when you look at – OU, there's two games that we talked about that really stood out to us initially. The first one is when Tennessee comes to visit Norman. That will be Tennessee's first visit to Oklahoma as Oklahoma being a part of the SEC. Going to be much different. You know that Tennessee fans are going to travel well for this game. You're going to have the SEC atmosphere. But then next week after that, um, OU will – travel to i just lost my place in my ah there it is they will travel to auburn which uh is no easy place right. to play especially yeah. if it's a night game yep which you would assume uh, now the tv people have a way to mess this up we've talked about <laughs> this i think every season we've been covering <laughs> we've been doing this podcast the, the Amazing how the TV people find a way to mess this up and throw a game that should be a night game no matter what and make it a 2.30 game. But hopefully they won't. There's not a re- there's not a reason this should not be a night game. Uh, you know, they're in Auburn, first time that that they make it, that, that kind of a road trip as an SEC team. It's a night game. I mean, everything about that sets up to just be fantastic. And I would say the same thing for the week before. Tennessee rolls into Norman. If that's not a night game, I mean, even if it's an SEC network night game, if that's not a night game, I mean, seriously, there's no way it's not. 
Yeah, leave the uh, leave the early starts, the 11 a.m. our time. Give that to yep. the Big 12, the Big 10. Yep. Because um, not as many people are going to watch those games anyway. So, uh, I, I, come on. OU yep. Tennessee. OU uh, Auburn. Uh, who who yep. doesn't want to see those That's games? That's exactly right. Uh, so, when we look at the schedule as well, um, you know, some big games uh, coming up that we're interested in. Uh, when I look at OU schedule, I'm very intrigued by OU schedule because the question with OU and Texas is how are they going to do their first year in the SEC? Right. We know they're good programs. We know they they attract four or five star talent. Mm-hmm. But how's that going to translate? And when you look at Oklahoma schedule, they they, I mean they they start off with basically three scrimmages: Temple, Houston, and Tulane. I, I don't think Tulane with the uh, the loss of Fritz and the loss of Pratt, their quarterback going to uh, the NFL, they're going to be a much different looking team next Absolutely. year. So OU comes into the Tennessee game three and zero. Then they got Tennessee. Then they got Auburn. Then they've got the Texas game. Even though there's a, um, uh, I believe isn't there a bye week between Auburn and the Texas game, and and so you look at the rest of the schedule. South Carolina, they have to go yes. to. They have to go to Ole Miss. So, OU fans, you're going to get to experience the Grove. Mm-hmm. Uh, how cool is that? And That's awesome. I know you want to leave there with a win. That's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, you go go to uh, – I'm not even talking about the main game. That, bleh, what a joke. Uh, they, they, go to, um, they go to Missouri. Uh, and what? then they end with Alabama at home, and then they travel down to Baton Rouge. So, uh, very intriguing – First year mm-hmm. schedule for yep. Brent Venables and OU. Yep. Well, they're they're grabbing on to SEC traditions early of having a junk November game. So you know you got to give them credit for that, right? <laughs> With uh, that main game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of our longtime viewers, Zach, was talking to me the other day, and Zach is a, a is an OU fan. Uh, that people were saying that the SEC is trying to make a a rivalry out of OU LSU, and that's why they're the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. I got some thoughts on that. Uh, they've tried to do this with LSU and A and M, and I think yeah. for the A and M fans, they viewed it somewhat as a rivalry, but the LSU fans didn't. And and here's why: LSU sees itself as part of the South, the SEC, not the Southwest, mm-hmm. and, and so. I, I was disappointed that LSU and Auburn aren't playing. For me, that is that is much more of a rivalry than mm-hmm. LSU OU. I don't know if the OU fans will see. Oh, look, this is a rivalry. I mean, they've got Texas. Usually, you think of rivalry, you think o- OU Texas or Oklahoma versus any Texas team, right? Uh, when you think of who LSU's traditional rivals are, you, you look at teams like Alabama and Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Auburn, uh, Arkansas, the the, the golden boot, right? The boot. Uh, So I hope they're not trying to to create new rivalries here because I I just – I don't think as far as fans of LSU, I don't think they'll ever look at OU as a rival as they they still don't look at A&M as a rival. What are your thoughts? And and to me it's creating something that – that isn't needed. You're you're trying to fill a void that doesn't exist by doing that. I mean, there are there are opportunities for rivalries that make natural geographic rivalry opportunities. For instance, 
What about the last game of the season is Oklahoma, Missouri every year. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Uh, it, you know, uh, Texas or, A&M and te- go ahead, go ahead. Or even Arkansas going back to yeah, the old, right. uh, you know, S- Southwest was that Southwest conference. What was Southwest that? conference. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Yeah. See, so, so those things are already there. Why take an LSU that has so much already built in with Alabama, Auburn, Ole Miss, uh, you know, even Arkansas, like we were talking about, all of that's already built in. Why, why expand that to me, a Missouri and Arkansas, makes such perfect sense if you want to try to build from the beginning an Oklahoma natural rivalry within the conference. That makes much more sense. And Texas has already gotten the built-in rivalry with with AM. Uh so so that's already there. To me, to 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 try to say we're going to make Oklahoma and LSU, I mean I get I get the fact that you're pitting top tier versus top tier. But I don't know that I don't know that you're valuing everything that you need to value correctly. If if that's your because I think you have to look at it. It's multidimensional. That's not the only thing thing you have to look at. Yeah, and so if that's what they're trying to do, I think that may be one misfire on this yeah. whole scheduling. Which Agreed. so far, other than that, they've. They've done a really incredible job here giving us games that we care about, that we want to see. Yep. Uh, some other games that stuck out to both of us, Darren, we mentioned uh, Alabama's third game. They start off with Western Kentucky, oh. South Florida, and then they travel up to to face a Wisconsin Badgers team yep. in Luke Fickle's second year at the helm. And, Darren, mm-hmm. this game why, – why did this game intrigue you? Well, when you talk about – Wisconsin football, what you always hear. Well, let me take a step back. When you hear other people talk about Wisconsin football, (laughs) what you always hear, big offensive linemen, physical football, a brand of football that that other conferences can't deal with, and all of that, you always hear those kind of descriptions around Wisconsin football. And and I can't just immediately dismiss, because honestly, you you know, that – that brand of football is is why Wisconsin is able to sometimes give teams within the Big Ten that people think they shouldn't give a hard time. They're able to give them a hard time and win games that people think they shouldn't when, when it comes to media talking heads. At the same time, what excites me about it is, is I want to see what physical Big Ten football that other Big Ten teams can't deal with looks like against an Alabama. I, I'm excited to see that on the field matchup because it won't just be about speed. It'll be about facing a team that has 350 pound linemen that also has track stars at all the skill positions. It's going to be facing somebody that has both of those elements, not just one or the other. And it's going to be interesting to see how Wisconsin handles that. Yeah, it will be. Uh, other than that, I'm a big fan, even though it, as an LSU fan, it's backfired on our team the last two years of starting off with a, a big-time opponent. Mm-hmm. LSU this year will start off with USC. Of course, I don't think Caleb Williams is going to be there. No, I don't think that's, uh, I think that's right. But it's still a, a marquee brand in, mm-hmm. in, in college football. I, I like the fact that they're doing that. I, I like the fact that 
Georgia is starting off with Clemson. How about that Agreed. for a yep. first first week game? We mentioned Florida and Miami. Uh, those those are games I think that fans look forward to. Even though when you're on the losing end of it, as I can attest to, it it you kind of oh great. Well, there's one loss, and we still have Alabama on the schedule. <laughs> we can't afford to lose this game. But but do you know? I think we'll start to see more and more of that with the 12 team yep. playoff. Because if you take an L, you know, for instance, if we look at this year's format or look at this year's schedule and the way everything played out, obviously LSU, because of the three losses, is not the perfect uh, example. But let's say LSU season had went really, really well with the exception of a loss to LSU and a loss to Florida State. Is that a 12-team playoff team? You, I, mean, I would think so. Uh, that that two t- two team two loss LSU team finds a way into a twelve team playoff, so you're you're going to be willing to take those chances going forward as opposed to the current co- format. I think I hope that's one of the benefits we as fans get anyway. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this is going to open the door for two loss teams. We may yep. even see a three loss team at some Eventually. point sneak into yeah. it. You know, yep. if, if if other conferences respond to the strength of schedule that the SEC is showing. Uh, speaking of other conferences, you notice Texas's second game, they go up to Ann Arbor. That's going to be a huge game. That is. That's going to be very, very big. I like the scheduling big-time conference games uh, between mm-hmm. conferences. So how about uh, the rest of the schedule here, looking at the SEC, Darren? Is there anything else that, that stuck out at you that that you look at and you're like, this is must-see TV? I, I'm, I'm thinking – for me, it's Georgia and Alabama in September, yeah. September yeah. 28th. Georgia Absolutely. going to Texas on October 19th. That, wow. That's the one are right you, are yeah. you kidding yeah. me? This is incredible. That that was the big one left that I had circled, the fact that we're going to see that Georgia-Texas game, those two what we have seen as marquee names, marquee brands from two different conferences now in the same conference uh, it's gonna. That's. I, I'm excited to watch that happen. And good news for Auburn fans. New Mexico State is not on your schedule. However, <laughs> New Mexico is. So beware. But but you never know. Just see. Does Does Vanderbilt play Auburn this year? Because they took New Mexico State's offensive coordinator. Oh oh, oh there you go. November second. Auburn, be on the lookout. I'm just saying the offensive coordinator that beat you last year is going to be at Vanderbilt. <laughs> That's a great call, Darren. That's a just great saying. call. So, <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, the LSU second week of the, the season, Nickel State. I mean, yep. Nickel State, Harvard on the Bayou, right? Listen to, listen to me. Listen, you were talking about Harvard on the Bayou. How can you not be excited about that game? <laughs> and, and you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, Darren, Texas and Texas A&M. That actually is the final game of the season for, for both of those teams. Yeah. And it's going to be in College Station. And, I, and I, to me, that's a huge thing because that used to be the, the final game for both of those teams prior to AM coming over to the SEC. It was a big Thanksgiving day or uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving every year. Matter of fact, the last time they played was, uh, let me make sure I've got this in my notes, was 2011. Thanksgiving weekend is like November 24th. Texas actually won. So it'll be really interesting to see that rivalry renewed 
this many years removed. Uh, so that that'll be I'm excited about that. Just seeing that rivalry. Wow. Seeing uh -oh. <laughs> raggy, uh, seeing that rivalry renewed just because growing up loving football, especially you know, middle school, high school years, you know, even even though it wasn't SEC ball, because it was part of the ball that was on during Thanksgiving weekend, Texas, Texas AM was part of it's part of what you watched, you know, every year, uh, it, or at least for me, it was. So, I, I'm excited to see that game happen again. You've got to love it as a football fan, so much to look forward yep. to in this upcoming season. So there's a lot more football to talk about, including a slew of bowl games mm -hmm. that we will make our picks, our official picks in the very next episode. So be sure to look for that episode. Just want to throw out a little teaser for you because there's a lot more football to talk about, but we'd love to hear from you. Give us, leave us a comment, like subscribe. We really, we're trying to get to 50 subscribers. I know that's small potatoes in, in the world of, the Paul Feinbaums and the Pat McAfee's and well, just about everybody else, but <laughs> it means a lot to us. So give That's us a right. Christmas, give us a Christmas present by just subscribing right. to the show. We appreciate you so much. New episodes drop every Tuesday and uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great week. Thank you for making the brew and shaver sports podcast, your go-to sports show. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show if you haven't already. Your feedback is so important. Let us know what you think about this week's show. Send an email to brewandshavers at gmail.com or a text to our text line 318-390-3599. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for listening to the Brew and Shavers Sports Podcast. See you next week.